Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Silvatis podcast. Today, I have Britt Tate joining me, who's an osteopath extraordinaire, and we are going to talk about her sports, her competitions, what it's like um, studying at BCom, and just how she's been getting on a year after graduating. So welcome, Britt. Thank you so much for joining me. I know how busy you are competing, so I'm just so thankful to to get a slot with you and just talk oh, about all things. Oh, bless you. I know we have been trying to do this for about five months, haven't we? Better late than never. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So how we know each other is we studied together for four years. Yeah. And holy moly, that was an intense ride in itself. Yeah. Yeah. Very um, intense. It seems like a different like lifetime now, doesn't it? It feels like a different life so weird <laughs> I often compare it to childbirth whereby not that I've ever had given birth but yeah, nor will I ever I, I'm sure it's more painful <laughs> you know what I'm sure there are people in our class or people who have graduated that are probably thinking the same thing yeah <laughs> but yeah I often the way I think about it is, is it's, it's painful when you go through it and then you finish it and then you forget how how painful the experience oh totally is. and then you're like oh it was great wasn't it Really good. Yeah. So, so easy. <laughs> Would you ever go back and do another degree or like a master's or anything like that? Do you know, it's funny. I, I vowed I would never do any education again. Like I was like, that was it. I can't do that ever again. And then like a year on, I'm like, hmm, I could probably study again. But I don't think I, I don't think I could do um, the same level of intensity again like that. And the, the dissertation for me, that was like, that was a killer. I, so if it involves something like that, I would be very like, I would really have to think hard about whether I wanted it to like, uh, sort of implement my life like that again, because it was really brutal. <laughs> yeah, so maybe not a PhD then? No, definitely not a PhD, because I, for me, the research was just, it's just not something I'm interested in. Like, and I know the value of it, and like, I think it's important to, to read up on other people's research, but for me to actually do it myself, I, I just don't, I can't do that to myself again. It was so hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel so like I think probably not. Yeah, I feel like we're really selling the course to people who are trying to Oh, yeah, in. really, really selling it. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. No, no, it really is, though. It is actually like life changing in terms of what it's accomplished for and how, how it's opened doors for me. Like, because obviously I was doing sports therapy before, so I was kind of in the industry already. So that was why it was quite a difficult choice to do because I was kind of like, I'm already kind of doing, doing, I'm in the industry, like what's this going to do for me? That, and what, this is, what is this going to achieve? And like, obviously I've spoken to the osteopaths that I was working with, they kind of told me and I could see how busy they were as well and the kind of cases that they were treating and it was more complex and, and you're using your brain a bit more and trying to work out different things and it opened up more complex cases and I could see that that's something that I did want to do but it really has done that like it, it is a completely different career and it, it's it's so yeah you know it's really it's really good like I've ab absolutely benefited from doing it so that's yeah. a good job <laughs> that's the plug you're welcome exactly. yeah that's it exactly yeah yeah. So you were a sports therapist, like you said before. What made you want to go into osteopathy? I think it was really the osteopath I was working with. So I was working in the Ilkley osteopathic practice, and I worked there for three years as a sports therapist. And in the, as I was doing that, I was kind of trying to be a semi-pro cyclist. Well, I was a semi-pro cyclist at the time. 
and basically at the point I was deciding of, of what to do because I was getting more and more frustrated about having to refer patients to the osteopath for joint work because as a sport therapist we didn't really get taught anything that much about joints or really how to work with them or anything about the nervous system or you know the blood vessel anything like that you just learn basic musculoskeletal skills of how to treat basic sport, sports injuries and fascial work a lot of fascial work actually um, but really in terms of like the joints as soon as someone had a, a back that was they were you know in pain with and I'd done the soft tissue work and they were still in pain I had nowhere to go so I referred to the osteopath and I was doing that more and more getting more frustrated and then I was also getting cases coming in that were you know getting more complex like more of the senior citizen patients with like all medications and heart problems and and we weren't taught pathology in sport therapy so I was like we were taught how to treat healthy sports people so when people came in with conditions or weird stuff or like stuff that conditions that we hadn't been taught about even things like RA and stuff like that which we get taught so much about in osteopathy I was like I don't really know what to do with this patient I don't know what's safe to treat them I, I don't am I going to hurt them and I was just getting more and more like out of my depth um and that's when I decided um I think I need to do osteopathy and then it was a choice because I basically got offered a pro contract as a cyclist and the money was just awful <laughs> the money was awful it was like yeah it was actually quite like yeah you just can't live off that so I think you have to be, like absolutely love the sport in domestic sort of domestic pro in the UK as a cyclist you really really have to love it to, to do that and I just didn't I just didn't really like it so I was like I think that's the way for me to go is go and do a career and just um, and try something different um, and that's when I went and did osteopathy really in London. Yeah and one thing I remember vividly was whilst you were all studying um, you know it was four years you kept competing throughout. Yeah <laughs> yeah which was kind of weird because so I came in obviously as a cyclist because I had been a triathlete when I was 16 and got injured um, with the running and that's what actually led me into cycling and did that for six years and then when I came to uni, I decided that, because I've always done sport competitively, I've always been into sport. So I decided that I was like, right, this is the time of life. I'm going to be a uni student and I'm not going to do sport. And I was like, because it was really different for me to do. So I was like, I'm just going to have the first, I'm going to, I didn't even thought, I'm just going to not do sport. So I was like, for the first time, I didn't do any sport. And I literally just went out boozing like every weekend. I don't even remember, but we had some amazing times, didn't we really? We did. Like it was just mad. And like, we were just going out all the time and I was partying and I was like, this is amazing. I was like, this is what people do in life that don't do sport. This is so good. And I literally put, I'm not actually joking, I put on two stone in two months. I put, uh, yeah, it, I came home at Christmas and my boyfriend was like, whoa, what has happened to you? <laughs> and then I realised as well, after like a term of doing that, the first term, I just didn't feel good in myself. Like I felt it was weird I couldn't concentrate at uni like I had no concentration levels it didn't like feel good in my body like I was obviously having a good time but I just there was something really missing and I felt not right and I, I mentally didn't feel very like I, I was having a great time but then I was kind of like I just didn't feel quite myself so that's when after Christmas I decided right I need to do some sport um, so I tried all sorts of different stuff. I remember going with Katie to a Muay Thai. Um, do you remember when we went to Muay Thai? That was very funny. Um, <laughs> it 
it was really funny experience in uh, Bethnal Green, um, which was an interesting experience in itself, mm -hmm. walking through there. Um, and we went to this Muay Thai lessons and we were just like kicking and boxing. I was like, yeah, this is going to be my new thing. I was like, yeah, brilliant. And then I realized like, I was like, cool, I'm really enjoying this. Like, right, I'm going to look at the competition because I'm just naturally like with sport, I'm just a competitive person and I can't just do something for fun, I realized. So I spent, I remember spending one night just like looking on the, at these Muay Thai competitions and I was up till like three o'clock in the morning. And afterwards I was like, I am never going back ever again. Because it was just these, all these females, like just crazy, like beating each other up and stuff. And I was like, that's not me. That's not me. So I was like, Katie, I'm sorry. I can't go back anymore. <laughs> and that's when I decided, right, I think I want to do triathlon again. But I had this hip injury. So it was actually James Dawson. Do you remember James? In, so we were year one and he was year four. Um, and he, he basically helped me sort my hip, got me back running again, which was actually has just opened up my life. Like it's been amazing. So I'm internally grateful to him for that really. Um, and that's when I started getting to triathlon. So that was kind of January, February of year one. Um, and I just, I just wanted to get back running, to be honest, like just to be able to run for five minutes was a big thing at that point. Um, and and so I built up really slowly over that over that first sort of till about March and April where I was basically able to run like half an hour again without much pain like I've still still got pain in that hip but I can manage it now um and then obviously being me I was like well I mean I'm doing triathlon again so uh what shall I do oh I'm gonna aim for the world champs so the world champs in that year one of uni was in Cozumel in Mexico. And I was like, right, that's it. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that. And that was in um, September, August or September. Um, so year one was basically juggling, like kind of prepping for that. And then obviously getting to grips with all the uni side of things. Um, but for me at that time, that triathlon was just, it was just a complete joy to be able to do it again. Um, and I was just so relieved to be able to, to run again um but yeah so that that was that and then it's just carried on from there really like each year then I got year one out of the way year two obviously the course changed it got a bit it got a lot more intense intense I would say like year two was probably one of the hardest years for me I'd say in terms of theory wise but then I'd got an expectation with triathlon because I did really well at world champs and I was like right okay I think I can I can do this again and then it's just slowly kind of progressed through the years and and that it, I mean yeah it was definitely challenging doing both but it, they both complemented each other as well so I'm glad I'm glad I um yeah didn't just drink my way through uni basically <laughs> yeah and I don't think it's you really because when when I think of you you know you're naturally an athlete and you're naturally you've naturally got this competitive edge and you want to do better and not just sporting wise but also academic and and for your patients you always want to give more and that's one of the things that really resonated with um, me about you and one thing I always tried to emulate I was Aww. like well if Brick can wake up at 5 30 in the morning to go for a <laughs> swim I did not do that I'm not gonna lie <laughs> 
bless you. That's really nice. That's really sweet. I tried getting up for like six o'clock and even that was a struggle. I was like, how does <laughs> yeah. she do this? It's not my it's not my favorite part of the training, I must admit. <laughs> no, because I'd see you napping every time you had an oh, opportunity. Oh, I just slept tonight at that sofa. I was just on it at uni, that sofa. If that sofa wasn't there, I don't know what I'd have done. Like that, oh, oh yeah, I love that sofa. It was so good. <laughs> And so for people who aren't sort of familiar with the sporting world and don't know what a triathlon is, what, what, what does that entail? A triathlon is three sports. So you start with your swim, which I always think is a bit bizarre because then you're wet for the rest of the race. But anyway, that's how they devised it. So you do a swim and then you do a bike ride and then you do a run. And it's all the transitions are included. So your transitions count. So they're timed. So it's all about how quick you can, you know, run in from the swim get your bike helmet on your shoes run out run you know run in with your bike take your helmet off change into your shoes so that's all part of the thing as well um and there's different distances so you can start a sprint so that's what i started off in year one doing because that's kind of i was familiar with that when i was 16 that's the distance i did and you can go all the way up to ironman which is you're obviously you're ending in a marathon um so I've kind of progressed through and now I'm at kind of half Ironman stage and that's kind of where I think I'm going to be staying for quite a while doing that discipline um but yeah I think so the last year of uni I I ended up I was doing half Ironman so I did three half Ironmans I was in one in Thailand one in Romania and one in where was it Barcelona and then that I was also like trying to do my dissertation at that point so I was like flying out to Thailand like typing on my thing like trying to talk about some strange biomechanics whilst I was like on a flight to Thailand to do a half Ironman it was very it was a very bizarre year but it was amazing um but yeah so that's kind of where I'm at at the minute is the longer distance stuff I think I'm probably going to be better at that um but yeah that's what it entails it's hard yeah. but it's fun <laughs> I can't even go for a 30 minute run <laughs> <laughs> But what kind of demand does that put on an athlete's body in terms of um, recovery, in terms of nutrition? Because I know you're heavily involved with those kinds of things as well. Yeah, so it, um, it's, yeah, it's a heavy toll on the body, I think. Like, because you're also you're trying to juggle three things. So it's, it's, it's quite different because when I was training for, for cycling, you do your bike session or whatever, and then you're done for the day. Whereas with a triathlon, you're you're always it's always double sessions in a day so you're always doing two sports sometimes three in a day because you've got to juggle them so let's say you, you do something like three swims three bikes three runs but you've also got your strength and conditioning which is the fourth discipline and that is I've learned over the last year and a half really that how important that is um and so you've actually got four sports really because you've got your strength and conditioning as well um, and in terms of recovery, I think it is difficult. I think you're always tired and it is hard to recover. And I think especially if you're working as well, the recovery time is reduced even more. So, and I like my sleep. <laughs> so I think the sleep thing is hard because the swimming takes that away because you're getting up at like five really to go swimming. And then if you're coming home from work at eight, like you've only really got an hour or something before you need to be getting into bed and sometimes you actually just want to like watch some films or like you know have a speak to your partner or something so that that's challenging I think is what trying to do the discipline for disciplines and work is definitely challenging in terms of recovery because I don't think you get enough sleep 
that's my that's my um concern with it and nutrition wise i think very difficult again because if you're working especially with patients you can't just like sit there and like eat a bar like why they're talking to you so especially if you're back-to-back patients you have your lunch break but within that lunch break you've got to be really prepared about what you're trying to eat and i always find that it's very difficult to eat enough during a day um and sometimes i have to supplement that with you know protein shakes or things like that because um just to get the calories in especially if you're in between clients or patients if you've got a calorie shake or something you can smash that in and try and get some calories in between patients but it's very it's challenging to get enough sleep and enough fuel when you're working and trying to do four disciplines i think yeah and so now you know it's almost pretty much been a year since we graduated how has competing been since graduating and not having sort of the study time or the practical time taken up by 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 school yeah i mean i think it would have been great but obviously with covid like there's been no racing so it was kind of a bit annoying because like i definitely felt like your brain you your because you're not so like you're physically exhausted i'd say from training and working but you're not mentally exhausted like in some respect it is challenging still like the first year of being an osteopath is mentally challenging but not in the same respect as studying like it's almost like a different challenge i can't really explain it but there's more mental um, energy to put into training because you can kind of like with work even when it's challenging at the time you can when you go home you can switch it off and put it away whereas with studying it comes with you all the time it's never you're never rid of it like so when you were training you were always thinking you're trying to juggle how much time you needed to get the material in your head whereas with work it's very challenging but you can switch it off and you can actually carp i can't say the word compartmentalize that's the one <laughs> you can put it away and you can then go right switch into training and think and like actually like devote your mind to that so in terms of that respect that's a lot easier um because you the studying studying like saps you it's like with you all the time it's always in the head like in the back of your mind you can't get rid of it whereas with work it's much easier to you know shift that put it away train and then if you need to think about again bring it back in um so in terms of mental energy it's been a lot easier to get a lot more out of my body that way um but obviously with the racing like that's been rubbish like everything was cancelled world champs europeans all the kind of because this year i wanted to do some half ironmans and actually like put myself against the pros and see where i was at and like kind of get a you know a good kind of idea of where where i stand with that and that's just all been like cancelled but there has been some really good things that have come of that like because you can't race your training is more consistent like if you've got the right head on it and like i think my running's improved a lot because uh because i'm not racing you're not when you race you have to like recover and then recover from the race and then you have to be fresh for the next one so there's a, only a short period of time where you can actually train whereas if you're not racing you can train all the way through and just build up nicely um so in terms of that that's been good um but not racing sucks yeah, <laughs> yeah <I can> <laughs> that's imagine. been tough yeah. and so how has it been 
being an osteopath, like a fully fledged osteopath, no tutors to call into the room or anything like that. How's that been your first year of a practicing osteopath? I mean, it's been incredible. I've absolutely loved it. It's been so challenging. Like if you think of like what, you know, like the Corona coaster, your mentality of like one minute you're up, one minute you're down. Like I feel like that is reflected in osteopathy in your first year. Like, some days you're like up you're like oh my god this is amazing like i am so good like mm. and then the next day you're like oh my god i'm absolutely shit at this <laughs> sorry my french uh, but yeah like it is definitely reflective of a, of, of a roller coaster and i think it's um your ability to know that it doesn't reflect on you your own ability like it's just who you see that day like you might have a day of chronic pain patients that just don't really get better and you you're more managing them and you're managing their their expectation and you're managing um them as a person and then you might just get a day of like fairly simple you know uh, lower back cases that you you can manipulate a little bit soft tissue and they get better really quick and so what i'm learning is that how you feel on a day doesn't re shouldn't reflect on your ability as an osteopath it's just who you've seen that day and how how you've worked with them and how they perceive their expectation of of how they're doing does that make sense i don't know Absolutely. so yeah i think that's how i'm kind of um kind of seeing it as i'm getting better at that at like working out when you're having a bad day, what, why do you feel that that has been a bad day? And then trying to reflect on that. And it's, you normally realize that actually you come out of it and it's not because you're a bad osteopath. It's just because you've had challenging cases that day or you need to build on an aspect of your practice. And actually that's really positive because then you're going to get better at that. Um, so that's been, been good. But in terms of the first year, I mean, obviously, we had from, I started two weeks after I graduated. Um, so I was straight into it. So I didn't really have a break, which was quite tough actually. Cause like till about by Christmas, I was tired because I'd been working since August and the practice that I went into the principals were on holiday for like three weeks. So I was like right in at the deep end. I was seeing a lot of patients straight away and I just graduated and I was like, wow, this is nuts. Um, so it was really good because I learned fast. I learned really, really fast, but it was, that was challenging. But I think it bode me well because I did learn quite quickly. Um, and I think by Christmas, I was ready for a break um, to try and just absorb all that, all those treatments that I'd had and try and, you know, work out, you know, where I was going with things. Um, and so that was quite good at Christmas to have a bit of a break and then, and then obviously this COVID thing hit in March. So we've had like, we had like eight weeks off. Um, that was super challenging in terms of like, cause you're self-employed and that was really like, that was a massive, really interesting as well. That was really interesting, that lockdown period. In what way? Um, yeah. How was it interesting? How was it challenging for you? Um, I think because, so initially, um, your your income come goes to nothing, and at that point we we were just building building up our like since sort of August we were just building up our finances. We'd moved into a rented property. Me and my partner, um, he was still 
um, at, well, just at that point, he'd gone self-employed two weeks before lockdown. So he had no um, financial security at that point either. So our, both our incomes went to zero. Uh, we were both self-employed and we didn't really have much, uh, much savings or a safety net because I just, with uni, it just destroyed any savings. And mm -hmm. so we didn't really have much of a safety net. So it really, really wobbled me. And I was like, am I in the right career? Do I feel financially secure doing what I'm doing? And it really, like, I had to really, like, think, I actually looked at all other options. I looked at NHS work, like yourself. I looked at other options. And at the end, I came around and thought, I just really enjoy what I'm doing. And I really like the clinics I'm in. And I was really, really enjoying it. And it would be a real shame for this to, because this is, doesn't happen, you know, normally. <laughs> It'd be a shame for this to send me down another path that potentially I don't want to do just because of financial security. And, and actually, at the end of the lockdown I was feeling super positive about wanting to continue be a self-employed osteopath in the clinics I was in and um, actually I decided that I really really missed the work I was doing and I was really keen to get back to it and when we got back it was actually like crazy busy like busier than it was pre-lockdown I think quite a few people have found that and I've actually been better post lockdown than I was pre. And in terms of like, I think just a number of patients coming and new patients coming in and it's just absolutely booming at the minute. And I think it, it's been a really good confidence builder and helped me kind of confirm that I'm doing the right thing. Yeah. And why do you think it's, you've had this influx of people coming in post lockdown? I think it's a couple of things. I think um, one, people have been sat like this at a desk at home, like on their laptops, like on their kitchen table with kids running around. And so they're like, we've seen loads of neck pain and headaches. So I think desk position, people aren't set up at home properly and they're working from out of positions that they're not used to. So the body's taking a strain that it's not used to. I think same for the lower backs in that position i think a lot of people are doing a lot more sport because in lockdown a lot of people are taking up running um people are coming in with a lot of plantar fasciitis i've seen that like like i was like what is this with like plantar fasciitis and i think it's because people are walking around in their bare feet at home and then without much support which they're not used to normally and then they're going out and doing runs and loads of exercise hit classes things that they weren't really doing before um, and I think also it's made people a bit more health conscious. I think people have gone, oh, actually, like, I need to look after my health. So I think people have decided to invest a bit more in that as well. Um, so I think those things, I think the, the new patients are people that have desk-based or exercise increase. And then I think in terms of, um, you know, it's really reconfirmed for the for the patients or clients coming in for sort of your maintenance treatment. So they were already invested, but they're, they, you know, they're investing again and they're telling their friends, let's invest in our health kind of thing. So I think that's been helpful. And how interesting that it takes a global pandemic for people <laughs> to reflect inwards and be like, actually, what's important to me? What exactly. do I need? What's going to make me feel better in the long term? Yeah, definitely. It's been really interesting about that. And 
you know, there's been some really interesting cases coming in um, with people post-COVID um, sort of viral inflammatory um, repercussions of the of the COVID. And that's been really interesting working with those people. Um, and it's really changed my opinion on kind of the virus and what it's doing to people and what it potentially might be. And and it's it's really interesting. It's quite shocking as well, actually, really. It's seeing these people in such a bad way actually post um you know having the infection um so that's been interesting working with them as well and i think i think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that really now over the next coming through of the next few months of people with post-viral symptoms um musculoskeletal as well as inflammatory um so that's been yeah an interesting sort of aspect going back into work after lockdown we're seeing different kinds of things as well yeah. And so to quote Lazarus, with, <laughs> God, he's going to pick out of this. Um, oh God, what are you going to say here? Um, he's so still in my quote, brain. <laughs> I know. I have his brain seared, his voice seared into my Every brain. Every time I see a woman, yeah. And it's like, okay, so what are your aims when you see someone who's post-viral and have all these inflammatory sort of um, symptoms or, or things? What, what would your aim for your treatments be with them, for example? I think toxin removal toxin i don't know detoxing <laughs> yeah. um and i think because it's been interesting there's actually a covid clinic in bradford which is the only one in the uk that actually works with post um covid sort of patients uh with yeah post viral symptoms so the what we're finding is a lot of people with like really really heavy legs um like really like they said they're like growing pains and like I feel like their legs are being pulled apart and then I had a lady that's you know getting some inflammation on the brain as well which is causing symptoms and I think it's it's been interesting so they're actually working a lot with nutritionalists um and I think that's really cool um and also counsellors and physiotherapists and I think we do have a role as an osteopath to play for them and working with those clients um just literally the soft tissue work of like flushing out and lymphatics and talking about nutrition and hydration and things has been probably the most beneficial for them at the minute um so i think my aim for them is try and restore the homeostasis um and just try and reduce their um toxicity tox heart speed today toxicity. toxicity level yeah yeah um that's kind of what i'm that's how i go in with it really thinking yeah. about trying how how i can help them yeah and i completely forget so if you can't already tell brit is from the north and, <laughs> and you've had this surge up there in the last month or so yeah and um, with cases yeah. covid cases yeah so we had we had a local lockdown um which um was challenging because you go from being in a big lockdown and they were like yeah we're free and they were like no we're not and then it was like yeah so that was and then we're, i think we're gonna have another one in leeds again so i think we're gonna have another local lockdown in leeds coming because we have a big surge coming through again um and i've got so i work in a clinic in ilkley and i work in a clinic in leeds so how that will affect the leeds clinic will be interesting to see i think we are technically classified as key workers aren't we so i think the clinic will remain open um but whether we will see more post-viral patients 
it at Leeds now it that will be interesting to see yeah and that's been really interesting because we have seen these cases we've seen these regional lockdowns and no one that I've talked to just yet has been talking about sort of treatments post-COVID and what an important role osteopaths can play with that in terms of the lymphatics like you mentioned and just restoring their health and looking at their vitality and especially coming from a naturopathic background as well mm. that plays a huge huge role so Definitely. going back to BCom then what were your expectations before you graduated and have they sort of met up with what you found one year into practice a good question I think um my expectations were just to get into work and um earn some money to start with because obviously as a student you spent a long time not doing that um so I did want to financially like um kind of feel stable in a respect because I'd made the leap to not to move straight out with my boyfriend rather than stay at home which I don't know, it, I think it was the right thing for our relationship, but I, in terms of adding pressure onto my first few months as an osteopath, quite challenging, I think, because even though I was, I was definitely, I, was, I mean, I went straight into treating sort of 12 to 15 a day. So it was, it was really, um, I had a, a Wednesday off, which I trained and stuff, so four days a week. So I think financially I was fine, even though I was stressing about not being fine. So I think if you've got the chance, if you're of a certain age or you've already lived with your parents or something and you're not in that position where you feel like you maybe need to jump straight into, because I mean, we've been, we've been going out for like nearly eight years by this point and we'd lived with my parents before and then we'd spent four years apart and it was just at the point of our relationship we needed to live together and be and develop our own thing. So we needed to do it, but I think it did add pressure because if I was living at home during that first few months, it would have been no, I would have been earning money. I've been thinking this is great. And I would have had no pressures on, I'd have been able to concentrate more on the osteopathy rather than thinking just about finances. And I think that would have been good. But when a lot of us aren't in that situation, a lot of people already have families, have bills to pay and things like that. So I think it did, you know, it was a real world. We're straight into work. We're straight into, you know, having things to pay for. And in, in that respect, it did. I put pressures on myself in that respect, which I probably shouldn't have, because I was able to earn the money, but I was stressing about not being able to. It was really weird. I was like, I was doing it, but then I was like stressed that I wouldn't be able to do it. So I was like, but I was doing it. It was really weird. And I think that's just self-employment and, you know, going back into that state of needing to pay for stuff and then can you do it you know setting off and I was doing it and it and it was just it's taken me quite a while to build confidence to think I'm okay in what I'm doing I'm going to be fine and I can you know I can build a good life like this and it's taken me about a year to to get the confidence to to relax actually and think yeah. I'm going to be all right doing what I'm doing <laughs> yeah because that, there is a financial risk obviously being self-employed and I think after school you know, you think, how am I going to earn a living to pay for anything? Am I going to get enough patients to walk through the door? Exactly, After I pay yeah. my cut to the clinic, what am I going to be left with? And I think yeah. for anyone listening to this who's either graduated or is in school now, it's, it's a worry that we all have. 
Yeah. And that's partially why I went into the NHS because it was salary based. Yeah. There was a bit more security. You probably earn a lot more than me. Um, uh, <laughs> but there, there is that trade off. Yeah, there's a trade off, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's true. Yeah, I think that I think that's definitely true. And I think it is a, it is a, a gamble. I think if I was going to like look back at that first year and I would just say to myself, like, you are going to be completely fine. Just relax. I can enjoy learning and the process and stuff a bit more um, because you're going to be fine. You're going to be you're going to be absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah. And where you're at now, like how important has it been to work with other osteopaths or receive any mentoring around you from either mm-hmm. people you work with or, or online? How has that been for you? And yeah, how that's important been was that? Really important. Um, so, I, so I'm in two practices. So one has 17 osteopaths. So it's a big practice. Um, and they've also got podiatrists, nutritionalists, uh, massage. They have every, you know, it's a very big multidisciplinary practice. The other practice, um, there are now six, uh, six of us, six osteopaths, um, a Pilates instructor, um, and some counsellors. Um, so they're both kind of multidisciplinary in that respect. They kind of try and be holistic. Um, one is obviously ha- um, less than half the size of the other. Um, and that's been really interesting working with a big practice where there's 17 osteopaths and one where there's six. And um, I think I've learned a lot from both practices in terms of that um so obviously both both sides um in terms of input um has been great like you with the with the bigger practice where there's 17 osteopaths there's a lot of people doing different types of practice which is really good so we have like a women's health specialist we've got pedi you know pediatric specialists we've got people doing cranial we've got kind of the more struck I would classify myself a little bit more structural really now like structural osteopaths that dry needling we've got um acupuncture specialists we've got so it's there's a lot of people doing different stuff and I think in that respect one you've got people to plug for different things so if you've got a question with someone with women health there's an osteopath that I can go to and say look I've got this woman she's blah 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 what do you think um or, you know, if you want a more structural opinion, there's people to ask for that. If you want people that cranial and you want to explore that a bit, you can go to people like that. So I think in terms of a big practice, you've got a wider spread of people with different specialities, which has been good to plug into. Um, the only thing with that is it's quite hard to actually connect with those people because they're all busy. They're all on different times. How the practices work is so big that okay we come together on a wednesday for lunchtime we have a cpd every every wednesday lunchtime for half an hour we kind of some of us are there on that day so we gather and we see those people but some of the people you you never see because they're on different days they work different hours they're doing you know so if you want to tap into that you have to you, you know who they are and you can connect with them if you want to message them or ring them but you won't generally see always see them whereas the smaller practice um, you see everyone all the time and you have more time with them so you see them for lunch you see them in breaks you see them um, and also they're able to actually come into your treatment so in the, at the Ilkley practice if you need help they're there and they they will come in and they will support you whereas the bigger practice everyone's too busy and it's, it's you know you can't there's not that level of it's not the same thing really but you do have a level of support there it's just a different it's it's different yeah the practices are are definitely different um and we've had obviously like we had the cpd more cpd more talking at the bigger clinic because 
how that all runs you have that cpd where you come together and talk about stuff but the smaller practice have got a bit more flexibility to work to block time off when you where you're all in and, and actually do hands-on cpd and technique classes so we had um sort of every fortnight from a few months in we had um sort of manipulation uh, cpd with the head osteopath and that was oh i just realized you come out and you can't manipulate anyone and you you need that mentoring like and that was so vital and I, we're still doing that now actually so obviously it stopped over covid but we've restarted that so um every fortnight we get sort of hands-on and go through cases and stuff and we have two hours with the um or an hour i think it is an hour with the head head principal going through that so it's so much support and and also yeah it's so vital that I, I, if i was on my own you just it's very challenging i think very mm. very challenging to develop yourself absolutely and what would you have and um, what's been useful for you in terms of cpd have you done any cpd over the last year or so that you thought gosh this has been really helpful do you know what it's actually interesting i think that's probably one of my pieces of advice is that you come out and you think right what can i do what courses what did it and i spent the first two months of practice like thinking about which course should i do what did it i'm really like oh, like frantic about what i need to do next and actually i've i've done my 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 30 hours or i've done a lot more to be honest i've, I've probably done night like in lockdown it's two hours a day and absolutely smashed it but um because i had nothing else to do and i was interested in stuff so i spent like yeah, i've probably done like 90 hours over this year but anyway um but it's all like like what i'd actually i've just just do the job like i've not done any outside courses where i've gone to to learn something i've done like online you know over lockdown pre predominantly really because there's nothing else to do so i was i did the sort of academy for physical medicine i did that and that was that plus a bit of reading added up to two hours a day really but it was just stuff i was interested in you know and outside of that when i'm actually working i struggle to do anything else really with that and training and stuff and i've got ideas of courses i would like to go on to but it's only it's taken me a whole year to get to the point i'm ready to learn again i'm ready to go on an actual cpd course mm -hmm. and i think that's probably the advice i'd give to new graduates is just do the job and like learn the thing because it takes so long to actually get comfortable doing the doing the treatments learning how to look after people learning learning how to do the job it's like you know you you do your theory test and then you learn how to drive you know what i mean you pass your driving test and then you learn how to drive it's a very it's exactly the same thing and it takes you at least a year to become fairly competent you know <laughs> i think because and i've still got a long way to go and i know that um but yeah i would just say just go and do go to, go to work and if there's anything that's interesting I, what i do is so i have a post-it note on my desk and if there's something interesting that's come up or i've forgotten or i'm not sure i write it on the note because if i don't i forget so i'll write like revise fibromyalgia or revise ra and i take that sticky note and i put it on a there's a place in my in my um, house that i put them and then i make sure on a sunday night or a monday morning those sticky notes i've got i've gone through so like if i've you need to revise something i do that and then so i revise on the go rather than 
you know anything big at the minute because you're just trying to just get on top of normal work I think at the minute just you know you your basic cases as well like how to manage those yeah it's really interesting that you talk about sort of learning to drive and then actually driving because it's exactly what Andy Mansfield said when I interviewed him yeah. a while ago so um and there's definitely echoes of of the tutors that we had oh, at no. clinic. Oh, Andy, yeah, definitely. I probably nicked that from him. To be fair, <laughs> that's probably what that's probably where I got it from, and I've completely forgotten. So yeah. It's okay. We'll give you credit later, Andy. Oh yeah, you can you can put that on the note. I'm a credit. <laughs> and speaking of nicking things, there's so many things I stole from you, um, <laughs> and that's what I really appreciate having. I think we were in the same clinic group at one point, just for a little bit. Yeah. And then um, yeah, I, somehow true. it always end up sitting behind you in pathology and diagnosis. <laughs> I don't know whether it was because we both just wanted to sit at the back or. Yeah, I think <laughs> it might be something like that. <laughs> but, um, but one thing that I remember, stealing is a strong word, I'd say borrow, that I fully borrow. admitted afterwards. We were doing, um, and one thing that you, we did do over lockdown is we did yeah. cases with um, second or third years, I can't that remember. That was so good. You see, that was amazing. I definitely want to do more of that as well because. That was really helpful. Yeah, and it was just so good to reinforce, okay, we, we do know this stuff and we can sort of, we've been where they are, so we've been able to guide them a little bit. Yeah. And one of the things I stole from you was the differentials um, list. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs> so you had this really good list of differentials, of, of things that you'd cover in your differentials. Mm. I remember just stealing that from you. I'm like, yep, and I've used that, <laughs> that since. <laughs> and it's worked since. I mean, oh, I've developed so it over good. time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that was really when we did those over lockdown. I think that was really helpful because it reminds it reminds you to to always go back to back to the basics and like because you can get carried away with stuff. And I think just uh, you know remember differentials. Make sure you've thought about everything. Are there any red flags? Um, and just treat the person. And and that's you you've covered your basis. You're to me with that. So I think yeah, that kind of stuff is always good to revise. I think. Yeah. And has your practice developed since you graduated up until now? Oh, definitely. Yeah. I am a different practitioner to what I was a year ago. I think um, I'm just, I'm still, I think it will take, I think you probably all your osteopathic career, you, you develop and you maybe change your practice and but I think you've got a good idea within a year of what you like and what how you like to treat I think and I think um you know I've, I've tried like the because we've done some cranial stuff and I, I have I do actually integrate some of that now and then I definitely think I'm more structural though I, and I think that's that's okay you don't have to always fight that do you know what I mean <laughs> but I do try and I try you know I take I do bring some some cranial work in um, when I think it's really appropriate and I think actually what I've learned is just um to be really adaptable to what just what the client needs and my practice changes so dramatically between one client to another so like I might be really soft cranial visceral with a patient and then be really structural and manipulate everything on another patient do you know what I mean so I think what I've learned is that I am a very flexible adaptable practitioner um, and quite sensitive to what the client needs and I think that is something that I want to try and pride myself on and not get too stuck in one way or the other and I think I want to develop 
all sides of osteopathy so that I can when someone comes in who's very different I am able to adapt to what they need rather than treat them how I would anyone else I think so I think in terms of that I've become compared to how I treated as a sports therapist I've become a lot more adaptable with a lot more tools in my kit to be able to treat different people differently so I think that's been good over a year yeah and being an athlete yourself has that changed your perspective when you treat other athletes that come into the clinic yeah I think it really I think it does really help me in in some respects because I think a lot of the injuries I've had (laughs) so I kind of know how it feels to have it and I think it just um I'm able to kind of reassure people because I've I have normally been in their situation and kind of know roughly how long it takes to get better and what you're thinking at the different processes and and also to um how to kind of build them back into sport again generally runners um you've got to like put on really tight reins and be like right you've got to you know a lot of them I get going couch to 5k even some of the like high-end runners I get doing couch 5k when they've had a proper injury and they've not run for a long time because it puts on the reins and um it gets them back into doing running and that program is literally amazing it's so good um and I've used stuff like that a lot but can like relate to to them and their experience and I think that's for being an athlete it allows me to do that um well I think yeah and then I think because I think everyone can treat athletes I don't think I think you have to be in a sports person and an osteopath to be able to treat sports people I think you can but I think it just gives you a level of understanding of what emotionally what that person's going through potentially. Yeah. yeah. And the psychology behind sport is huge. Yeah. And we're all nuts, you know, we, well, we're, we, <laughs> we've got you and me both. <laughs> we're all just ob- completely obsessive. So, you know, it's working with people like that. If you know their obsessive drive and y- you can, uh, you can work with people when you can relate to them, you know, I think. So, yeah, so I think I think that's helpful when it yeah. comes to treating athletes, just knowing, knowing what makes them tick a bit. And if there was somebody listening to this or watching this that wanted to go down sort of like looking and treating athletes either in private practice or in a sporting sort of club type um, mm. facility, what would you say to them? Where should they go to look? What would they read? Mm. Who would they talk to? Yeah, I think, you know, that's quite challenging, actually. And I think um, I'm still developing that here. So the practice I'm in, in Ilkley, we have we have a big sporting community here. Um, but I'm only just starting to see the runners come through. And I think it just takes time. I think you, um, it depends where yeah maybe let's start with like choose which clinic you're in like if you want to be you know treating sports people you've probably got to decide whether the clinic you're going into are they attracting sports people like that's the first start i think because you can go into like a sports an actual sports um you know environment clinic environment where there are like they call them i don't know osteopathic sports centers or I don't know you know there's places that, are, that specialize in treating sports people and if you go there you're going to see sports people that's fair enough 
the one at the practice I'm in isn't isn't actually there to um it's not what's the word it's not labeling itself as a sports center to treat athletes but we do get because it's a small community we get athletes coming in and if you're interested in that you're going to naturally attract those people anyway and you're going to just develop your practice and then that runner's going to tell another runner and that really so i think you base yourself somewhere if you want to work with sports people either look go and look for a sports clinic and work in something like that or just base yourself in a practice where there is a sporting community that there's a few people coming in, you know, from here and there, and then they will find you. If that's what you, if that's what you enjoy and that's what you do, they will naturally come. And I think that's what I was a bit nervous about is that I was like, I'm not actually in a sports clinic. Like, am I going to be treating sports people? And I think every year I've seen that naturally just start to develop. It's going to take a while, a lot longer, I think, but it is starting to develop. I'm seeing more local sports people coming in and that's because it's word of mouth once one runner tells another or one cyclist tells another you know it, it does get out there and I think long term I would like to do a bit more sports specific work and I think that will come but I think I need to be a better osteopath first and I think I need to be you know really confident in my ability and before I go out and search for elite sports work I think but um, maybe I'm wrong you know some people jump straight into that um, and I have done some elite sports work um, you know in, and I have done some of that um, but I just want to be a become a really good general practitioner first I think and then start to engage in in my in my passion which is treat sports people but just need to get good first you know <laughs> yeah. and that's what I love about this is that everyone's story is so unique to them and everyone's development has taken them on so different you know, so many different routes. And yeah. it's just interesting to hear where everyone's at a year on and how different but similar we all are. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Because no, our foundation really... is the same. We all have the same. It is. Yeah, we've all had the same, the same sort of, you know, the same input, haven't we? So it's interesting how people take that and what they do with it. I, I love that though. I think that's brilliant. That's why it's such a good industry because you can go in so many different directions and you can do whatever you want with it really yeah absolutely i just want to say thank you for your time because this has oh, been such i feel like we could just keep talking for we've been talking for like over an hour but i feel like I we just keep talking I could, oh i could just keep talking love it <laughs> but, absolutely love it so when is your next competition so i've actually managed to start racing so i've had i started at end of June, so beginning of August, I started racing. So I've had like a month of racing, um, which has been so, such a relief. It's been so good. Um, but it's very short. My season's been five weeks and I've done eight races in five weeks. So I'm absolutely shattered, but it's, it's been amazing. And it's just been, it's been so good. And so my last race is end of September. It's a half Ironman. So that's kind of the, the, the highlight of the year, as it were, because it's kind of what I've been aiming for um, to do a half Ironman. It wasn't, I was supposed to be in Mallorca in October. That got cancelled. And Canada and somewhere, Budapest. I was supposed to be all over the world, but it, it's fine. And I've really come to terms with it. And um, I'm just really happy that I've been able to, to do some races. So yeah, so half Ironman, end of September the big yeah. one <laughs> i've been following your instagram like Aww. closely and so every time like you post about a race i feel this sort of like surge of support and be like oh my oh, god she's so doing nice. it thank you <laughs> so, and so where can people find you either in clinic or on social media 
Yeah, so I, I I probably put most effort into my Instagram. Uh, so that's probably the best place people can um, sort of contact me. Um, so that's the Body Mechanic 101. Um, yeah, that's probably the best place, really. I, I do, I like in lockdown, actually, I started putting like videos up of like, I started into including some of my osteopathic work into my Instagram, which I was really nervous about doing because I know when you, you're at risk of being, you know, people have an opinion on stuff. So that was, that was a big thing for me to start doing that, but I'm glad I have because it's really opened up um, a lot of connections with other osteopaths, actually more osteopaths are, are starting to connect with me and that's really cool. Um, so I'm going to kind of keep, keep doing that. Like, every other week or something, put something related to sports and osteopathy. So, so that's probably the best place people can contact me and, and see what I'm doing really. Yeah. And they were really good. I remember watching your videos and I think you did one on running or on yeah. foot mechanics. And yeah. then I, I, I was watching, I was like, oh, taking notes. I was like, oh, I didn't oh, think about that. Oh, bless you. Thank you. <laughs> so you do it really well. And I know social media can be really exposing and yeah, very vulnerable because you don't know who's watching and what commenting exactly. what they comment very on. scary but i think you do it really well thank you i appreciate yeah. that <laughs> great well thank you so much for your time brit oh um, my pleasure thanks for having me on and sorry it's taken literally about five months to get me to do this <laughs> not at all and good luck with the race in september thank you so much Take see you later bye <laughs>